When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. SEN Fridays at the top end, 16.11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn, Darwin. We will love your listing. Raph, I wasn't too sure what happened there. I thought you might have been cut out. I think maybe someone from the NTFL yeah, caught up head office and said, hey, listen, you've got to stop this guy spitting so much hard truth here. But one more positive question for you. Any big names coming up for Saints? I know that the Division 2 competition has attracted a few in recent years because it's a place where people can go and play legitimately casual football. So is there any ex-marriage premiership players or some big names that might pull on the boots? Yeah, mate, one uh, of the greatest all-time. He's got the records for the NTFL league is uh, Iggy Vallejo. Yeah. So 300 and, I don't know, 80-odd games. I'm just... You know, just throwing a um, rough number out there, but it's something like 350-odd games, 10 premierships. Um, I think he's joined uh, alongside John Anstess with, you know, he's got nine premierships as he, as well. So, and the big one everyone's probably surprised about is um, Henry Labastida mm. you know, playing in last year's grand final. Um, he's finally going to slow slow down a little bit, um, <laughs> even though he still looks... Probably give him to round four and he'll, he'll yeah, be back up there. Yeah, he, he looks ready to be still in um, Premier League after seeing him run around last week in, in the reserves. Um, but he wants to come back and play with the, the guys he played in all those premierships together and have some fun, um, you know, alongside myself as well. Um, the big brother Xavier Clark flew in um, last night, so I tried to get him down straight down to training to see if he could get in this weekend, but... It's going to take a bit more convincing to get him over the line. So, Absolutely crazy, Raph, I think. I always think now that I'm 29. I turned 29 the other week. I'm getting older. And I look at the record that these Saints players had while they were in their 30s, and it's almost like inspiring. It's a motivation knowing just how successful that club was for so many years. Robbie, on the commentary again at NTFL level during the week, what, what are the highlights of your week? You went out bush for a little bit. What's going on? Yeah, went out to Jabru and um, Pelly, so just went out there just as part of my uh, daytime job there, and uh, it was good. Just got back last night. I've got a couple of commentary games this week. I've got uh, the under-18s tonight, St. Mary's Buffaloes, and then I'll um, also have, uh, what's the other one? Uh, I think the match of the round, Waratahs mm. versus Southern Districts. Yeah, that is the match of the round. We will get into that stuff later, but we do need to get into some of the AFL trade news off the top of the hour. It was a big, big week in the trade period. Probably the headline trade, perhaps, or at least the one that was spoken about the most throughout the season, Luke Jackson traded to Fremantle. Obviously a long-term trade for the Dockers, but what I'm interested to know is, do you think that he helps the Dockers' structure next year? Because Rory Lobb is probably the obvious player that goes out for him. Lobb more of a forward than what Jackson will do, but you do expect Jackson to spend some time up forward. Robbie, how does that role help the Dockers' structure? I think they'll go with a similar lineup, having him fill in that uh, Rory Lobb spot. Um, Sean Darcy has been ha- had issues with injuries as well, so that might open up an opportunity for him. And who knows, like we said, spoke about previously, could open up an option for Sean Darcy to explore his options to Geelong next year, perhaps. If 
Well, that's what I was thinking, Robbie, yeah. about Sean Darcy exploring his options because Darcy's one of those Shane Mumford, ruck all day type, spends a lot of time on the ground. Not ruck all day, that, that never happens anymore in modern football, but spending a lot of the time on the ground. And he isn't a player who can really effectively go forward just yet and show that he can make a huge impact. His inclusion certainly affects Darcy's role. Do you think when they make a decision like that, they consult with a bloke like Darcy and say, hey, how do you think you're going to go with an extra ruckman? Or do the list managers just talk to the coaches and, and have their little meetings and say, no, nah, this, is, this is what is right. It does not matter how these other players think they play their best football. Yeah, I'm not totally sure like how that decision come about. Maybe Raf has some insight on that one about how that would, would have happened or perhaps with the coach or something yeah, like that. I I'd, I'd imagine that coaches would have their game structures and, you know, the way they see themselves mm. playing football next year and, you know, work around what they think. Um, like I said, it's when you're a player, um, I've mentioned a few times, you, yeah, you're just treated like a, a chessboard uh, piece sometimes yeah. and you never know. So um, that's why when we spoke about Ben Long and those guys, you know, looking for options, I, I was all for it. So, yeah, uh, I think the, the club and the coaches would have the direction they want those boys to fit in. Tom Mitchell made his way to Collingwood. This is a bit of a random one, but I've always loved Tom Mitchell. He's a ball magnet, and I've always grown up as a stats nerd. So when I heard about Tom Mitchell as a junior coming through the system, averaging 40 touches for the young Western Australian under-18s, to like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And he started with a bang, mate. A couple of his games in the kneeful from the age of 18, 19, 20, when he couldn't get a game in that Swans midfield were ridiculous. He had a 64-possession game. He had multiple 50-plus games. And then he continued it uh, in the AFL, especially his Brownlow medal winning season. A number of 50-plus games. He had a massively bad case of leather poisoning on multiple occasions. A 54-disposal effort, which is the AFL record to open the season that year. Can he regain his old form? Yeah, I think that sort of frees him up when you get to join a, a, good, a good midfielder that's up and running. Uh, a group, um, you know, Hawthorne sort of struggled, I mm. think, in the midfield this year. But you... You got blokes like Dugowie and um, and that in there that he'll take the main attention, I guess. And um, you know he he becomes your sort of second or third string midfielder. But it, if you can get those numbers again and add to that Collingwood um, list, you know we've seen what the Pies did this year. They're going to look very dangerous coming into next year's season. Robbie, are players like that kind of becoming outdated? And by players like that, I'm trying to categorise them. I'm thinking Tom Mitchell, James Warple. Matt Crouch, players who are probably below 185 centimetres, so not that big bull inside mid, but the inside mid that's not on the most athletic side. None of those three are really athletic footballers. Their skills left a little bit desired. They're not great exponents of the football. Is that role in danger? I reckon that role sort of is in danger. The ball magnet? Uh, yeah, I reckon that role's in danger. Um, and Colin would play a very fast style of play as well. So that's going to be interesting to see how Tom Mitchell fits in. I reckon he'll be that centre stoppage clearance sort of player for him. And first hands on the ball first type, hands I reckon. On the ball. I don't know how much he's going to accumulate playing in that midfield under that game plan, but there's definitely a role for him there at, and, and at Collingwood. And I'd also chuck Matt Crouch in that mm. aspect as well. I, I did say Matt Crouch. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, 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 Matt Crouch as well, another <laughs> bloke that's... Sort of like being left out a bit with that quick play of football that's, you know, that yeah. sort of happened. Yeah, and there's a couple of others on that list too. You really need to have a well-rounded game these days at AFL level. Robbie, was the Pies season a flash in the pan? I think they are almost the most interesting club heading into next year. They had a lot of close wins throughout the season, which naturally people are going to say, oh, they got lucky. 
But they've then been very proactive this trade period. They've added Mitchell. They've added Dan McStay, Bobby Hill, Billy Frampton. And you add another year of development in Nick Dacos and then a fit Taylor Adams. Can they challenge for the flag next year? I think they can challenge for the flag, but I think there's going to be um, aspects of their game they're going to have to tidy up because speaking to Collingwood people, they're very excited about the outcome, but winning nine out of ten games by under ten points, I think they, yeah, that, that record is pretty rare to go through a season and get on the, the winning end of those results. Um, there is a lot to build on, and that fast style of play, every time they'd done it when they were down, no side could really go with them. So, bit of a random one, but you've got a little bit of a backstory with... Billy Frampton, nothing too interesting, but you spent a bit of time with him yeah, on the drink overseas. Yeah, yeah me and Good Billy fella. had a bit of a run in Vietnam. They ran through the scene in Hoi An, um, <laughs> along with Camp, uh, Law Shi and a few of those other boys that were listed, Connor Blakely and Sean Edwards. And <laughs> just all of us AFL boys, you know. Oh, yeah. Just an yeah. off-season trip for us. But <laughs> yeah. surprised to see him to go uh, Collingwood, so mm. up to him there. Yeah, he's played some decent football in the Sandful with Port Adelaide and Adelaide, but probably a fresh change would be great for him. Hawthorne are another team looking for a fresh change, clearly looking towards the future, trading a Mitchell, of course, and Jagger O'Meara to the Dockers. O'Meara, 44 games for the Gold Coast Suns, 99 for Hawthorne, which is interesting because if he has five young sons that absolutely dominate coming through, gee, they're going to be kicking themselves for leaving him stranded on 99 games. Uh, just off topic, it's a bit like Jed Anderson, a 99-game player, but I suppose he split that across two different clubs. Back to O'Meara, Robbie. Has O'Meara still got good football left in him? I think so. Like coming in, maybe playing through the second string sort of midfield role. Um, it does put Hawthorne in a rebuild situation, doesn't it? Like, I'm not too sure where you guys have him, but I'm pretty confident they'll be down the bottom Last. of North Melbourne. Yeah, for next season. The Hawks, Raph, that's probably a good question, Robbie. Where do you think they will go next year? Have they lost too many senior players? Yeah, mate, I, I think um, especially if you're offloading those two guys who are probably your main ball winners, um, it, it, it shows you're going to start a rebuilding phase, I guess. And um, Yeah, it, it's probably what they needed. They've been up there for a long, long time and um, yeah, they, had, they struggled this year, so I think they're probably going to go backwards mm. um, next year. Plenty more to talk about. Plenty of NTFL action. I'm really interested to have a chat about Sydney Stacked, listed by the Tigers uh, last night or whenever it was it was announced last night but we do need to go to a break so this is SEN Fridays in the top end 16.11am thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter Live on SEN Top End 16.11am this is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark for Rain and Horn Darwin find a place to write your next chapter SEN Fridays at the top end, 16.11am, thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Robbie, Rory lobbed to the Western Bulldogs, the big 208-centimetre giant. With Jamara Ugelhagen, Sam Darcy, the astronaut Aaron Norton, and Josh Bruce still on the list, do the Dogs just have too many key forwards? Oh, I think they're at that time right now where one of them will get squeezed out, I think. There probably is too many, but they're all at different stages of their career. Yeah. And well, the first three are quite young, though. They're not going yeah, anywhere. Yeah, well, I think Norton's got a bit of history playing back, and that might be an yeah. option once the others develop. And, um, and Rory Lobbs, I think, is 29, isn't he? Yeah. 30. So that's, that's going to be an experiment for the next three years and three or four years, really, isn't it? I get the impression that Rory Lobbs, a player, that is, a player that's in the premiership window, and the dogs mm. think they're there yet, they're not too sure whether Hugo Hagen and Darcy over the next, say, one, two, three years will be able to 
hold down key forward as well as Rory Lobb will. So I think it's a, yeah, like you said, a short-term yeah. move. The astronaut, Aaron Norton, can go back. He was a, I think, a pick 14 from Western Australia, but originally mm -hmm. drafted as a key defender. So someone that could definitely go back there. Raf, Ollie Henry received his wish and will join his brother, Jack Henry, at Geelong. A couple of concerns about his defensive pressure. Is he going to be any good? Do you, what did you thought when you heard during the week that there was a guy homesick who lived an hour away from home? By drive, by car, by the way, not yeah, by plane. Yeah, that's a hard one. Um, but, yeah, you know, like, if, you, if you've got the opportunity to play with your brother, I think it doesn't matter where it is. Um, of course, you, yeah. you'd, you'd obviously put your hand up and want that wish. Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting one that these, these teams that played in the top four, um, you know, towards the end of the season or top four sides are getting stronger throughout this trade period but not losing too much. Mm. So that's an interesting one. And, you know, Geelong look like they've come out on top and put them back, right back in um, premiership contenders again. Yeah, that's definitely a conversation we'll have later. Which team won the trade, period? SCN Fridays in the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am, this is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark. For Rain and Horn Darwin, find a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the Top End, 16.11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, we will love your listing. Brody Grundy to Melbourne for just pick 27. That is an absolute steal, isn't it, Robert? Yeah, it is an absolute steal, but obviously Collingwood had to get rid of uh, plan to get rid of that money as well so I think it's going to be a big loss for them, like I think they are getting a, a tad ahead of themselves but let's see what happens You know, it's a long time in footy, every year it changes so let's see how it uh, progresses for them Very quickly Rob, does the two Ruckman system work like that? The last time I think we've seen two dominant Ruckman has been maybe Dean Cox and the Nick Nat partnership at West Coast is that going to work for the D's next year just quickly? Uh, yeah I reckon I listened to Simon Goodwin and I reckon there's something in the water that they've got a plan that no one knows about that's going to work. So that's sort of where I feel like. And they asked that to uh, Simon Goodwin and he said, yeah, no, I'm pretty confident. Who is a better forward out of those two? Oh, I think that's Gorney at the moment. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah Gorn. Raph yeah, yeah. agrees. Yep. Um, yep. I think Gorn's the forward at the moment. Grundy more so playing that ruck role. Yep. Maybe Gorn does sit behind the footy as well. Yeah. Grundy seems a better kick, but you are right. SEN Fridays in the top end, 16.11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. It's just to look at the program to make sure that we're on the right track and really for us to look back and say, oh, we probably, you know, we didn't get this right either because it's not about the players, all about the players. It's about the whole whole footy club and that's what it's around for us to make sure that whatever we do, we're trying to get better every day. That's me, everybody in our program. So I think the findings will be pretty self-explanatory, I think. I think we sort of know what we're going to um, confront, but there might be some new things there that we can consider. But it's about us pushing forward to be a better, a better footy team. And we didn't play finals, and that's what we're all striving to do. We, we want to try and win another premiership, let alone make finals. So if we have a review where there's some real home truths and we talk about it to make us better, well, we should be up for it. Well, that was Brett Ratton, and now he is sacked. Sacked harshly twice now, I reckon. I thought he was a little bit unjustifiedly sacked by the Blues a couple of years ago. Did this catch you by surprise, Raph? Yeah, definitely, mate, because uh, I, got, I got home from training last night, and like I mentioned earlier, the big brother Xavier is back in town and staying at mine, and he's like, oh, did you see about the stuff about St Kilda and Brett Ratton? And I was like, oh, no, that, that's um, nothing i ever seen coming, and... Yeah, unfortunately for Brett Ratton, he's, he's a very good fella too. I've, I've met him a few times and spoken to him. Um, and 
Yeah, it's very harshly whether that, you know, turns you away from being a coach, you know, like when I spoke about what happened to me, um, you know, I didn't like footy too much for a couple of weeks there until I got back to St Mary's and um, but yeah, it's it's a definitely a, a, a big shock, I think. Um, and like you said in that interview there, you know, if there was a few home truths done in the review, um, which probably has come through, and um, unfortunately they've had to let him go. It's a pretty ruthless decision. It would have been really nice to know what exactly led to it, because on the surface they are struggling a bit. Saints, they're probably in no man's land. They started the season five and one, ended up finishing tenth. But I don't know, like. Where are they? Do they need to keep persisting with the core that they've got? Do they need to have a complete rebuild? Yeah, well, when you think about it, like during that trade period, you listen to all the players that have moved around and, and then you think, who did the Saints get? Or, mm. you know, what, what did they give up to? They lost Benny Long, which is, yeah. you know, part of their future, I thought. And, um, and it's kind of embarrassing, Raph, when they say pre-trade period that they need a big fish and they're looking for a big fish and... None of the fishies want to swim towards yeah, Moorabbin. Definitely, and and maybe missing out on Dugowie, um, you know, um, is is one that they probably thought, um, you know, might, might have been a final mm. straw for Ratten, like whether he wasn't attracting the good players or or what or whatever the system is not attracting, you know, like we talk about those big fish. So you know, you had Grundy available, you had Dugowie available, mm. you know, you, you'd probably give up a few picks to get those sort of type of players in to sort of fast track your, um, you know, your list of being in those final contentions. This is going to be a bit of a random one, but will Xavier Clark think about putting his hat into the ring for a job like that? I know that credentials-wise, there's probably other coaches in waiting that have had more time at that level or more experience or perhaps more higher profile and more likely to get the job. But would it be a good move for someone like Xavier to say, hey, I'm interested, this is, this is my goal long-term, I would like to go through the process if possible? Yeah, possibly. Um, I, I didn't really ask him last night, but he's had a few, you know, offers from other clubs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and he's had a, each each year he's had clubs ask him if he's interested to move on. So there's a he um, yeah he definitely has the you know um, what clubs are looking for, mm -hmm. um, whether it's still in that assistant role. But yeah, it, it'd probably be interesting for him to probably have a chat to St Kilda and see what they're after and how he could probably fit in. Um, because you look at the Magpies and those coaches, you know, they're getting these young younger coaches in that have a really good relationship and you see the way they get along with the players. And mm. I believe Xavier had that when he was coaching the Thunder up here. And, um, you know, you could see the group was really tight and a tight-knit group and got along with their coach and there weren't, you know, no no, no things hidden, I, I suppose. Like, you could have an open conversation with the coach and, and those sort of things, um, I think, make your team a lot better and stronger, a lot quicker. Of course... Robbie, who will coach the Saints? There are a couple of coaches in waiting. Probably the ones you look to are the ones that missed out on the Essendon job and things like that. I'm thinking Adam Uze, Mark McVeigh. I don't know if Dean Solomon has any interest. Jimmy Hurd maybe as a Saint. Ross Lyon, who knows? Yeah, I've got no idea. Right? I think Adam Uze would have to be a front-runner for mm. that job. Um, it's very interesting, though. You know, Brett Ratton met him a couple of times. And yeah, yeah, what's he like? He's always been a nice bloke to me. Like when he's at Saints training that time, and I, I looked at him and made eye contact and looked away, and then he come over and had a yarn. And I, so he was actually, yeah, quite a nice guy, but obviously maybe nice guys finish last. Oh, that's an interesting one. What about Ratton? So are his senior opportunities done now? It's not a good look when you've been removed from two different clubs. Very rarely do you see... Um, a, there probably is a couple of three different, like Mick Malthouse, I think, coached three different teams, but it doesn't happen often. Do you think a bloke like that will get snapped up by another club, perhaps in an assistant role? Surely a guy like Ratton remains in football. Yeah, I think a bloke like Brett Ratton remains in football, probably a senior assistant job. Um, even if you have a younger up-and-coming coach getting Ratton in, 
I think that could be an option. His phone will be ringing today, that's for sure. They need more class through the midfield. A big season from Max King. Brad Hill is a good player, but somewhat inconsistent. Definitely wasn't a strong trade period, that's for sure. Genuine match winners is an issue at St Kilda, but I want to know about some of the off-field stuff, Raf. And by that, I mean, what's the culture of the club like? Because you go to clubs like, well, I don't go to them personally, but you hear about people going to clubs like, say, a Richmond or even a Carlton and... The culture is just success, Geelong, I'd imagine, where every year you need to make the finals. You need to put yourself in contention to win that flag. And it's part of probably the the theory and the culture behind why Geelong have traded the way they do, constantly getting those players in. Because they can't stomach, all right, it's a rebuild, or, or we, foresee, we see the next three or four years down the bottom of the ladder. Saints have won one premiership in about 130, 140 years or whatever it has been. They've won the most wooden spoons. Is this more than just the 22 players that run out there or is there a cultural issue at the club? Yeah, it's a hard one, mate. I think the cultural stuff, uh, I thought it was, you know, well and truly past those sort of stages when you think about the Saints of the old 80s or when they had the Rock and Moorabbin every, every mm. night just about. Um, the disco or something. Yeah, the, the <laughs> disco at Moorabbin, the famous disco. But I think when we came through, um, you know, from 03 onwards and we played consistent finals, that group that came through then, um, that's probably the closest the club had been to, you know, in, in getting the premiership back-to-back -back grand finals. Um, you know, but I've been down there for a couple of visits um, over the last two years, and it looked like the group was, you know, a real tight-knit group. And um, but then again, never really speaking to too many blokes besides, you know, Benny Long and mm -hmm. Paddy Ryder and and Healy and that. And um, I had a chat to um, Brett Ratton when I was down there, and he he was an awesome, you know, like. But the funny thing that Brett Ratton spoke to me, he was. In his memory, what he remembered of me was when I played the All-Star game when I was a 17-year-old. Oh, that's right. Um, against Carlton, because he was the captain then for Carlton. And he goes, I remember you from when we played you in that All-Star game. You were the 17-year-old out of Darwin, and we were teasing Lance Whitnell because you bloody towed him up, and um, we, we, we fed it to him for the rest of the week. But, yeah, in terms of the cultural thing down at St Kilda, mate, I, 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 I hope it's not something like that. Um, and, yeah, I don't know why just can't attract um, good players at the moment. Mate, we are going to have to have an in-depth conversation at some point about that game, the Indigenous All-Stars Carlton game, because that was one of my... I was a nine-year-old, I reckon, watching that one. And to this day, it is the record crowd. And you played that game in sort of unusual circumstances. One of the only, maybe the only non-AFL-listed player out there. So we were going to talk more about that. Not right now, because, Robbie, I have one final question about Saints. And for the long-suffering Saints supporters, we're going to end on a positive one and a local one. Jack Paris, I thought he had a really exciting debut season at the VFL level with Sandringham, and he has re-signed again, so he has another year at the Saints. Obviously a great athletic pedigree, great, uh, great genes, great genetics. What were your thoughts on his debut season? What are your thoughts on him as a young player, as someone you've seen, and his chances of making it? Uh, as a young player coming through the ranks, Paris is always... I think he's only come later to football. Yeah. He play a bit as a junior. But he's an athletics sort of, champ. He's, yeah, he's, he's always... He's gone... Maybe when he was 16, he started concentrating on football. And seeing him in the VFL when he gets on those long runs, if he can, if they can translate to AFL footy, maybe there is an opportunity for him at that level. Mm. Um, because you don't have blokes with that pace growing on trees. And AFL's a very quick game now. Um, so his mould of athleticism really fits in with that. Mm. He reportedly had a 27 tackle game for Melbourne Grammar one time, which I've heard and I've received confirmation was the exact career tackles that you had during your whole three years at Melbourne Grammar. So <laughs> definitely has the defensive pressure there. But SEN Fridays at the top end, 16.11am, thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter.
Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raph Clark. For Rain and Horn Darwin, find a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raph Clark. For Rain and Horn Darwin, find a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End, 1611, we, with Rain and Horn and Darwin. We will love your listening. Welcome, everyone. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about Brody Grundy. I think it's a big decision from the uh, Melbourne Demons to bring him through. Um, we've, got that, we've got a grab here about Brody Grundy move to the Demons. Our philosophy was when we were, you know, we were starting to get quite concerned about uh, Luke. Um, so... Uh, we're really wedded to the to the two ruck option, the coach, and, and the footy department. We think that's the way to go for us. So when we met with Brody, um, our philosophy was not just dip the toe in the water. Let's let's have a proper crack. So um, we rolled out the we rolled out the skipper as well. <laughs> I think he was a fair bit more excited to meet him than me. So that was uh, Tim Lamb, the D- Demons list manager, and um, it's quite interesting, Rob. We we sort of mentioned it before about these these top four clubs getting. Good picks, and you know mm. how, how is it possible? Yep. And uh, I guess having a you know a successful team in a, a, um, a couple of seasons in a row, it does make it easier to probably attract these um, gun players that are still up and about. And um, having two of the best ruckmen in, in one side, how do you see that, mate? What do you reckon? It's how's it going? Yeah, work? I reckon there might be a bit of a plan with Grundy playing forward, and also maybe uh, Grundy and Gorn playing forward, and maybe Grundy does start forward as well, and then. Gorney goes behind the footy. Um, it could be a very interesting strategy that Simon Goodwin implements because some sides are going in with weak, weaker rucks um, and having shorter players in there at times, and that could really exploit it and get that midfield going with uh, Oliver and Petrarca. Also, another big trading news was uh, Josh Dunkley finally getting his wish to go to the Lions. Obviously, putting that request as well two years ago to get to the Bombers, which I'm shattered we missed out on him. Yeah, but yeah. now he's uh, <laughs> up in line, so that's uh, that's fine. Here's a bit of an audio what Sam Power had to say about it. Yeah, with that sort of additional second round pick, future second round pick, um, you know that sort of moved the needle, and we were quite comfortable to give back some later picks in the third round as we go back. I think the intention is always to get something done, as long as it's fair. And I'm pretty principled into how I operate, so you know, not lying. There's sort of discussions, and you have to have all those discussions. But clearly, the intention and the preference was to get something done. So, Raf, that was Sam Power, Dogs List Manager, on the Dunkley trade. Uh, what's your thoughts now on the Lions? Where's that put them in the Premiership race? Yeah, mate, to get a rain and. Best and fairest, and that that was interesting. I think we mentioned it a few weeks ago with um, Dunkley, uh, you know, coming off a season he's had to to walk out or let the dogs, you know, opting to let that happen. Uh, it's a it's a big call, I reckon, to leave your let your best and fairest um, take off. Um, but I think that just puts that Brisbane Lions team in that same window for the next season or two in that top four. I think, or I believe, um, mm. but you might have a different opinion, mate, but he's definitely that ball winner that's going to help that midfield um, group and, and and stay in that top four or five teams, I reckon. What yeah. You, what, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, no, I agree, mate. I've got them finishing the top four again. Um, they're very hard to beat up in Brisbane. I was sitting at the Owen Pelly pub, actually, and I heard what Liam Pick- Pickering had to say. Here's what Liam Pickering had to say. Uh, D- uh, Josh Dunkley's manager. A couple of nights ago, he was he, he got started to get a bit jittery. Um, and then we came down to Melbourne. We all went around and caught up with Dom Ambrosio, the list manager of 
of uh, the Lions. So I went with his dad and his dad. I said, come bring Andrew down. So the three of us went around there and Don mapped out how it was going to all play out, and, which it pretty much did. So Josh then went back to the bush and we had a bit of lunch and then he went back to the bush and, yeah, and he seemed a lot more relaxed yesterday throughout the course of the day. I think he was just really comfortable what was going to get done and, and in the end he, he wasn't a, ner- a nervous wreck, which was good. Mm. Yeah, there were some other interesting comments as well from Liam Pickering. wasn't happy about Bulldogs uh, haggling over a, a late, I think it was like a future fourth round or something like that, and uh, gave them a little bit of a thing on the way out. The other, the biggest probably trade story of the uh, of the trade period, Raph, would have been the trade with Junior Rioli and Jason Horn Francis going to Port Adelaide. That's going to add some, dare I say, it spark to the power. Will he uh, will he be always be perceived for his, atti- his uh, perceived attitude issues at North Melbourne Horn Francis, or will this be quickly forgotten once he starts playing good footy at the power? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it was an interesting one. We touched on this last week, and um, you know there was a you know where the, the North Melbourne boys had to just say, "No, you're staying here. You're our player. You're still listed for another year." Um, and you know to be one year into an AFL career and be able to put up where you want to go and um, you know decide on you know make those moves yourself. Um, yeah, it's almost like the the North Melbourne boys had to stand up and say, "No, you belong to us," which we spoke about last week. But you know, yeah, you want your players, and that was what we spoke about last year. Uh, last week was, um, you know, with these first round picks, do they have to maybe do a three or four week, or uh, three or four year contract at least to stay at the one club to help build that club, or you know, because you don't want your best players that you picked um, in a tr- in a draft to just be able to walk out after one season. So. Yeah, but, you know, in saying that, it's it's going to be interesting, uh, very exciting to see Horn Francis and Junior um, run around together. Um, I think if they two can get on the same page, it's going to be very, very exciting. And I like the way you mentioned the spark to the power there, mate. It's um, you know, it's probably exactly what's going to happen. And um, but yeah, what yeah. are your thoughts on the uh, on that as well, mate? No, I'd, I'd like to see first round draftees get a three year contract straight off the bat. Um, but but uh, there's obviously a lot of um, factors with that mental health and people wanting to leave as well. Um, obviously, there was David King as a North Melbourne man, uh, two-time premiership player, I believe. He was not too happy about the uh, JFH, JHF trade. I don't think the North Melbourne Football Club could have invested any more support into this guy. And They've strapped a 432-game legend, <laughs> the game's record holder, to his hip for 18 months. I'm not sure what more you could have done Monday to Friday to assist him to be the best he could on the weekend. But I've never seen a number one pick not be up for the fight. To, 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 pull, to pull the ripcord so early and be done on your tenure at a club that's clearly in trouble because they're 18th on the table when you get them, it's just cut and run. I've never seen that happen before. I wish him well at Port Adelaide. Um, but you can just sense that there's a level of anger at the Kangaroos as what's gone on the last six months. That was David King on JHF RAF. Um, anything more to add to that, do you believe? Yeah, it's interesting one. To, uh, I don't mind that what he said, you know, like because the number one pick wants to come in and be the difference for your mm-hmm. cl- a club that is struggling. Um, and, you know, whether the, the words he used up for the fight um, is, is the right type of words. But, yeah, it, it is um, does sort of suit it, I, I believe, because, yeah, when you come into a place and, you, and you're touted as the best next talent um, and the way he played those first few rounds, when I seen him play up here against um, the Gold Coast Suns, I, I was, you know, like in, in awe of how how, mm. how he went about it. Like he was a four four season veteran, you know, um, not a bloody first first year in the system. The size of him, the strength, um, and he almost controlled that whole game himself. Even though North Melbourne had a very 
poor result that night. But, yeah, I think he definitely had the fight in him. But whether, you know, all the other um, aspects of it, you know, didn't suit him and, you know, he, he feels better being in Adelaide. And I think the other one, you know, a lot of people probably didn't realise Junior Rioli um, going to Port. Uh, another reason for that was his mum, you know, needing some treatment down in Adelaide. But, um, you know, throughout the throughout the year, and um, Adelaide for Darwin people is the the, the closest um, you know hospital and the best hospital for the Darwin people and a lot of family members for I'd know and, and probably yourself yeah. when they seek um, treatment or another hospital they, they it's in Adelaide so you know people probably didn't realise that and not um, you know for Junior to be in Adelaide and, you know if his mum's going down the hospital at least he's there every day with her when he can be so that's it and. I believe the, the fresh start um, for Junior is exactly what he needed. Um, so he's got, you know, he's got to win the fans over at Port Adelaide. It won't take him long. Um, and you know, the type of person he is, um, he's he's one of the most laid-back, relaxed guys. He's definitely a top-end boy or a Terry Island boy. Where the, you know, the, yeah. he's never rust. He's, um, you know, so he 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 definitely needs that fresh start. And I, I can't wait to see him play. Um, what are your takes on Junior, mate, down there? And, yeah, like, I think it's a great move for him, to be honest. Uh, I mean, you could probably vouch on this as well, but Darwin is a very small town, and Adelaide just feels like a bigger Darwin to me. Like, I think that's a nice little environment for him. He's very humble as a bloke, and even at his funeral, um, Dad's funeral was there taking photos and signing autographs for people, and I wanted to get my son there and get a photo with him, but I, I didn't want to do it, but yeah. he was doing it for everyone else and <laughs> um, a couple of the other West Coast boys, which is really good. Um We've got a couple of trades that have gone through. So Geelong get Tanner Bruin, Ollie Henry, Jack Bowers, and pick seven, which is just, they go strength to strength, don't they? The Geelong footy club. Tanner Bruin's one that I really rate. Like, he had some really good games for the um, for the Giants last year when he did get midfield time when they were short of players. Brisbane get Dunkley, Gunston, which puts them like we spoke about, and um, also with Ash, Will Ashcroft. Ashcroft yeah. yeah, so they're going to go, they'll be a top four side. Um and you also, you know, Richmond are going and got those boys, uh, Tim Torino and Jacob Hopper as well. This is what Hopper had to say about playing in front of, uh, in Melbourne. Oh, I mean, it's definitely a, a positive. It was one of those ones where um, I actually really enjoyed being at the, the Giants and being able to start kind of its own history and, and start its own fan base and to grow the game out in Western Sydney. So it's definitely a, um, it's a different scenario and set of circumstances. Um, but yeah, obviously, to play in front of an enormous crowd and, and a huge fan fan base like the Tiger Army is um, something that I'm really pumped for and looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, interesting um, hearing that from Hopper. And um, like we just mentioned before, those strong teams getting good trades um, and attracting good players. Um, you mentioned that Tanner Bruin. Um, my brother Xavier rates him highly. He's saying mm. he's the next Joel Selwood, um, yep. and, and that's that's very big, you know, to be. Um, you know, what do you call it? Uh, touted as a someone who's been a, a legend level, of the yeah. game. So, um, but we will have to take a break. Uh, it's Sen Fridays in the top end, sixteen eleven. Rain and Horn. We will love your listening. Sen Fridays in the top end, sixteen eleven a.m. with Rain and Horn down. We will love your listening. We're joined now by Tavis Perry. Tavis, how are you? Very well, and yourself. Yeah, very good, mate. How's it going over in Gove there? I understand uh, you've been living there for a few years now. How's it all going and what are you doing with yourself? Yeah, almost uh, almost up to five years, would you believe, we've been over here yeah. um, working for Rio Tinto at the moment in um, Indigenous Recruitment and Employment. 
life's good. Yeah, no worries. How's uh, did you watch any of the games on the weekend by any chance? I did. I watched uh, a little bit of the Pints and Palmy game and a bit of the Wanderers Districts game. What were your thoughts on the Pints and Palmy game? Did Palmerston sort of get out of a escape it a bit, or do you reckon they would have stormed home in the end? Oh, yeah. Well, I think they would have stormed home in the end. It was pretty disappointing. Um, the start, I think, at one stage it was 1-8 to either 5-8 or 6-8. And it wasn't looking good, but... Um, in saying that, points are a really good side. You know, they've been really strong in the Division One for a number of years. They've got some really seasoned players, and I think they've, they've they probably know how to play really well together. Whereas it looked like Palmy, with some new recruits, still finding their feet a little bit. Yeah, I, was, I sort of I had Palmy penciled in to win that, and I think it's getting the draw was going to put him in good stead anyway. Um, what's your expectations moving forward with them against Nycliffe like this week's game? Oh, it's actually it's actually a massive game. I think it's going to be a really even competition this year, uh, and this mm. is the kind of game that that Nightcliff will also set themselves for. You know, obviously they'll be looking to finish the year in the top three again, uh, and they'll and they'll see it as a little bit of a, a danger game, and, and rightly so. I think Palmerston at their best poses a real challenge for Nightcliff this week. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how how Palmerston goes. Yeah, Tavis Rapp here, mate. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, for those out there who don't really know Tavis, he was an ex-coach for um, the Palmerston Magpies, so it's good to get your insight on the Maggies, mate. But, um, yeah, like uh, Robbie mentioned, did you, if, would you love to have your chance again with the, the list of Magpies are putting together now, mate? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, well, yeah, in short, yes, I would. Um, but in saying that, credit where credit's due, Josh, he's done a great job. Uh, and he's probably shown up a, a few of the failings I had. I think I think he's he's planned uh, a lot better than what what I did when I was at at Palmerston. Um, and uh, look, I think he's building something really good. Uh, I think one of the issues we've had in the past has been able to retain the quality on our list, and and Josh done a great job of doing that so far. And, and looks like he's going to be able to keep building in the future, which is very yeah, exciting. Definitely. Um, and, and on that one, touching base on those uh, the Pints game, um, like we mentioned, Pints are the best thing about Pints. I think they're going to bring that consistency and show up every week. So, mm, yeah, that, that's what me and Robbie mentioned. And like you said, do you think Palmerston were lucky or do you think Pints were unlucky in that one, mate? Um, good question. I think, I think um, it's a really good point. So... You've got to remember that it is quite a step up for them coming from, from Div 1 uh, into the Premier League, and I think they'll get better as the year progresses. Uh, I think it'll actually have a really big bearing for both sides come the end of the year. They'll, they'll obviously both consider themselves chances for the top five, and, and a win for Palmerston in particular would have really set up their season if they could have gone 2-0. Um, and uh, and obviously, yeah. Pines were looking for their first ever win in the Premier League. So I think it'll probably hurt Palmerston a little bit more that they that they missed out on those extra couple of points on the weekend. And and if the um, lightning strike hadn't have hit when it did, I'd just get the feeling that Palmy would have ran over them late. Yeah, just a bit of experience, mate, I guess. And uh, I think the interesting one out of that is too, it, it probably puts everyone else on alert now that if they were thinking of taking points a bit lightly. And uh, I, I know St. Mary's playing this weekend, so that's probably... 
you know, the, the game that they probably needed. And, and to have it in the second round in is, is a credit to Pines and Shannon Motlop himself. So, um, but yeah, that's that's my take on it. But Rob, um, you got a, another one there, mate? Uh, yeah, Tavis. Um, with the other results, I've got Waratahs right now, I think, are sitting pretty. I think they're the premiership favourites in my eyes. Um, and the competition as a whole, how are you thinking the competition's looking? I know there's a few complaints saying that the stronger sides are only getting stronger with the top sides, with their recruiting and being able to manipulate the point system. Do you have any thoughts on that, Tavis? Well, I probably did a year or so ago, but I think it's really evened out. Uh, I think it's going to be the strongest and most even competition that I've ever seen in the top end. And I've been around almost, you know, 15 years now. Um, I agree that I think Waratahs right at the moment uh, are premiership favourite and St Mary's probably just under them. But then you've got Nightcliffe Districts, Wanderers, Buffs, Palmy, all going for those next you know, a few spots in the in the top five. So I'm really um, excited by the season. I think I've probably been personally a little bit critical of the point system and how it's been structured in the past. Mm. Um, I've always felt like Tiwi and Palmerston and the sides that haven't made finals for a number of years should get uh, additional points to try and even out the competition. But the way that it's panned out this year, I think you could easily mount an argument that the, the point system's doing its job. Yeah, I agree with that, Tavis. I think there should be additional points for the sides that finish outside the finals. And last year, I think it's I think the last five or six years, the side that's finished fifth has been knocked out in the first week. So now with nine teams, it should be a very strong final series. Southern Districts made the finals last year. Um, I think they won seven out of sixteen games or something. So like that's you know that's that, that was sort of how it went last season for them. Um, I think there's some massive concerns at the Tiwi Bombers, Tavis. Um, Raf was there and watched the game. I was thinking when I was listening to Raf on the broadcast, like, well, what would Raf be thinking here? I, I, my thoughts were, Raf, that you were thinking, geez, I reckon I could get 25 out there today. Yeah, yeah. I was just <laughs> even, you know, having a chat with the Imbatas and have a joke in between the breaks. You know, it was like, I, I should be still playing. I, I'll be at a. You know, not maybe get Nate Paridi numbers, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I still could end up with three goals. But, um,. Yeah, it's, it's not good to see, you know, the TV boys struggling again. Um, yeah, whether there's a, a quick solution. I know they're, um, you know, affiliated with banks, so whether, mm. you know, that, that works both ways, that relationship, whether banks are helping out pushing up their better players, which I find hard to believe, and I don't see banks um, mm. doing that. Yeah. Um, but I, and then again, I don't know the, the relationship they have. Um, Tavis, what do you think um, the TV bombers need, or is there any quick fix in this matter, mate? Look, I don't think there is. Look, I think it's actually kind of reminds me, when I first um, moved to Darwin and was involved in the NTFL, you know, um, Darwin Buffaloes were, were doing worse than what Tiwi Bombers are now, but they um, really focused on their on their junior development and giving some junior players um, game time in the Premier League. Uh, I remember, you know, Jalen Clark is one that, that sticks to mind that, that started out through that really rough era of Buffaloes, and now they're, you know, consistently competing for finals. And I think one thing that I've noticed over with Tiwi Bombers over the last decade is they've just relied so much on the on the older guys um, to mm, continue playing. Definitely. They haven't really blooded many young guys, except for maybe Michael Dunn is, is one sort of younger guy that's maybe played 50 to 100 games now. But they've got the right man at the helm. Like, Brenton Toy is an, an outstanding coach, um, probably the best I've come across 
in my time in, in footy. And if he can stay there for, you know, five years, get some game time into these young guys, you know, it'll it'll turn. It's just whether they've got the uh, the drive, I guess, to, to do it. Yeah, um, I think Brenton Toy is the best match day coach I've seen. Um, there there is, has been some stuff I've seen that he's not living on the islands, but he has got a director role in education, so he has got a very high-up role. But obviously I was a player that played Oregon on best suited to talk about the Tiwi Bombers because I played against them when they had everyone their first year, and, geez, they were a loaded footy side. And I know there was a bit of criticism as well about them not having a junior program at the time. Um, and I think now we can start to see that... I don't think it was that reason for the future, but now we can start to see that that's a bit of an issue uh, moving forward. And my first premiership, I played with Lucky Daniels Heenan. Um, he wouldn't have been in the best 40 players at Tiwi Bombers, but he just played a role for the uh, for us. And um, the same with Ross Tungatalam and players like that. They, Tiwi, they weren't getting the game at Tiwi when they come to Saints, Raf. Yeah, exactly. And that's interesting that you point that out. And, mm. and like you mentioned about Toysie, yeah, even, you know, he's, he's coaching capabilities, you know, they're unreal. And even listen to him when he commentates, you know, when he breaks mm. down the game and plays and roll by roll and... Um, you know, it's a tough gig and you take your hat off to, uh, to Brenton putting his hand up to do it again. But I think, you know, it's just so hard to get the boys to train Tuesday and Thursday together when half of them live on one side of the island. And, um, you know, to find them to get to the ground consistently, I think that's mm. a big issue in it all. Um, yep. And especially when I did some work over the, uh, a couple of years ago, you know, you'd see only 10 or 7. Seven to ten guys at, at the Oval training together because the other half mm. are at, on the other side of the island and, you know, just not being able to have that together. Um, yeah, so it's it's hard. And like we speak about those older players, Tavis, um, you know, your Paddy Heenan and um, Jakura, you know, you're still sort of relying on those types and they're, you know, in their mid-30s and looking for those next guys to step up and take their place. But it's hard to see where that's coming from anytime soon. Yeah, I agree. And I was uh, going to ask you, Raph, because um, you've obviously been around a long time too. It just looks like uh, opposition sides have kind of worked out how to play against Tiwi. I, I think early on, you know, that real run-and-gun style, getting sides on the outside, really high, skillful game. Uh, a lot of sides had trouble combating it. But I reckon now they just seem to block the exits a lot better and, and, and pair off and don't give them that space. I don't know if that's yeah, something yeah. that you'd noticed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's the difference as well moving forward with a lot of these footy clubs. Um, yeah, so I think that's sort of some of the issues defensively. Seen that with the Wanderers as well on the weekend. And uh, Buffs had a good start as well against Waratahs and did the same. Tavis, do you have any plans on getting back to the NTFL and coaching? Uh, not in the not in the short term. Um, I'll definitely be out and go for a while, young, while longer yet. Um, but then we, we definitely look at We'll be coming back to Darwin at some stage, and I'll, I'd imagine, get involved in some capacity. Um, certainly not coaching straight away, but you never know. One day down the track, um, might throw my hat in the ring. You never know. Yep. Uh, Tavis, one last thing before I let you go, mate. Crocs and Tars are my game of the round this week. Round three footy out at the Croc, out at the Crocs there. What's your prediction for that game? I've seen a good couple of ins for the uh, for the districts with Cam Ellis Yeoman Ullman named. <clears throat> he's done a great job, um, Shannon Rusko. Uh, he's a good man and he's a shrewd operator. Uh, and getting Matty Dennis, who I thought played really well on the weekend, was, was a really good move by the mm. Crocs. Look, I think the Tars, are, they're just up and going at the moment, aren't they? Magro's, isn't he a good player? He's, he's um, yeah. dominating at present. I just think they've set themselves up really well, the Tars. Um, 
maybe a little bit unlucky not to not to pinch the flag last year, um, but certainly given them that maybe that loss has kind of sparked them and, and galvanised them a bit this year. I think I think they'll just get the crocs this weekend. No worries. Thanks for that prediction, Tab, um, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Tab. This is, this is no SEN Fridays at the top end, sixteen eleven a.m. Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am, this is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark. For Rain and Horn Darwin, find a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am, this is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raf Clark. For Rain and Horn Darwin, find a place to write your next chapter. SEN Fridays in the top end, 16.11am. Rain and horn down. We will love your listing. Ladies and gentlemen, we're joined by Dean Staunton, captain of the Southern District's Crocodiles. Uh, congratulations, Dean, on the 150th last week. Yeah, cheers, mate. How's it going? Yeah, good. Thanks, Dean. That's an awesome achievement, mate. And uh, congratulations as well from me. Yeah, how was it running out with uh, your good mate Henry Armour as well for his 100th? Yeah, no, it was pretty exciting. <laughs> Probably been a long time coming for Henry. I think he got the two games in five years, so he's stuck on that 98 mark for a little bit. But now it's good to finally yeah. get there and especially playing it together. Yeah, it was a great win on the weekend, obviously, uh, against the Wanderers, who had a very good side in. And uh, I tipped yours, but you just fell in in the end there. And uh, Luke Smith was a good inclusion as well. How did you find the game? Yeah, no, it was pretty tough. I think we jumped out of the blocks early and we had a good buffer at half time. But that third quarter, they got back in front, so... I won't lie, we were pretty worried there for a bit. But, um, yeah, we managed to steady the ship and come away with a four points. That was good. Yeah, and I also seen that um, Stephen Motlop, when I was watching, did have a big game. Was there any plans on stopping him or did he sort of just run around and just, you know, sort of went system versus system in the end? Uh, there wasn't really any plans in place. But, yeah, he does. He runs incredibly hard. And I think that showed with the five or six goals that he kicked. But, um yeah, he was obviously the most dominant player he on the ground. He wasn't on you, was he? <laughs> was he on you, Dean? Uh, he was a few times at them stoppages, and yeah, I <laughs> yeah. struggled to keep up with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did see that. But yeah. Luke Smith, though, had um, under the radar, had a very similar numbers to Stephen Motlop. How is he as a player for the club? Oh, he's great. So it's his second year. He actually stayed in Darwin in the off-season. Um, oh, that's good. And yeah, he's just re he's really building. Um yeah, he's a crafty little player, and I think he's got a good football resume. He's actually played Geelong VFL, so, yeah, he's very, very handy for us. I think, um, Dean, the, the big question was, you know, you lost a couple of quality players in the Farrah brothers and, and the likes of that. And um, But to see this, the boys that you've managed to, to recruit and, and the likes of Matty Dennis and, and those types, and um, I guess you're probably more excited to have these new players join the, the, the Crocs and to see where they can take you, how, how, how do you see it going, mate? Yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, the Farrah boys were a huge loss. But um, picking up Matty Dennis, Ronnie CJ of the likes, just add new dy dynamics to the group. And, yeah, it was still pretty early on in the season. So hopefully yeah, we'll just see where we go in the next couple of weeks and see where we're at, especially this weekend. What's the ceiling for you guys this year? Is it top three or break for you guys? What's your thoughts on that? Oh, ideally, yeah, we'll be aiming for a top three spot, but we'll just probably start with
start with making the finals and anyone knows anything can happen if you make that top five. So that's definitely what we're aiming for. Yeah, you've got some very impressive kids as well, Dino. Um, obviously, you've got that young fella, Bousted, who's been playing some good footy, Jackson Breed, uh, Benny Armat, and a few of those uh, players. Who's your favourite player out of those young players coming through in the 16 to 19 bracket? Yeah, um, there's a few, actually. It's hard to pinpoint. But, yeah, Tommy Bousted, the obvious choice. He was able to hold his spot last year for a majority of the season towards the back end. There's a couple of other young boys that you didn't mention, and um, Brody Grace, he's pushing hard for a spot. He's had a great preseason, um, and along with Taj Danley as well. I think you'll see them at some point throughout the year. Can't you, Dean? You there, sir? Yeah, well, yeah well, coaching last year as well, I did see, um, Dean, the U.S. had a lot of young players and almost beat us um, at Gardens Oval. And the young fellow that I was talking about was William Rollins. He's, he's going to be a real draft prospect, isn't he? Yeah, 100%. Um, he's actually yeah. had a So what's your predictions down, for this week's yeah. game? What's your predictions um, for this week's game against Waratahs, Dean? I'm going to say hopefully we come away with the win, but it's going to be a hard contest. Obviously, Tars have started great this year and they're the side, but hopefully we can knock them off at home. No worries, Dean. Thanks for that, mate, and uh, hopefully we see you soon and I'll be out commentating that game, so I'll try to uh, catch up with you before or after the game there, mate. Thanks, Thank Dean Staunton there. Captain of the Southern District's Crocs played his 150th on the weekend. This is SEN Fridays at the top end, 16.11am. Rain and Horton Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am, this is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raph Clark. For Rain and Horn Darwin, find a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am, this is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raph Clark. For Rain and Horn Darwin, find a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End, 16.11am with Rain and Horn. We will love your listing. Yeah, so we've got some good games coming up this week, Raf. Um, we'll go through them. Uh, Tiwi versus Buffaloes is going to be an interesting one. Um, see how Tiwi bounce back. They look like they've got a couple of recruits in. What's your predictions for that one? Yeah, mate, unfortunately after seeing the Tiwi boys last week um, and, and the recruits that Buffaloes have picked up from Nycliffe, I, I think... Um, yeah, I'll be leaning towards Buffalo for a comfy win. But it'd be good to see if Tiwi bounce back, mate. Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a shootout, I reckon. Um, hopefully Tiwi can be a bit more defensive. After this break, we're going to go through the Crocs, Tars game of the round, as well as talking about the Pints versus St Mary's and Palmerston versus the Tigers out at, uh, out at the uh, nest. And we're going to talk to Joe Clark as well. SEN Fridays at the top end, 16.11am. Rain and Horn Darwin, find the place to write your next chapter. Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Uh, Raf, Crocs versus Tars is the game of the round here. Um, I've got Tars winning this one. What's your perspective on this game? Yeah, yeah mate, it's an interesting one. Um, seeing the Tars kick off for the, the season with great two wins, um, and like we're saying, they're probably looking at the Premiership favourites at the moment, and it'll be interesting to see how the Crocs, with their new recruits that we mentioned with Dean Staunton there, um, you know, how, how they see them or how they match up with the, the, the guys who are running hot at the moment. Yeah. Um, I I believe it should be a really 
good game and, and one to tune into. Um, but I think I think the Waratahs are, are they've done their work early in your season and, and they look really prime. And I think it's going to be hard to see them lose anytime soon. Yeah, I think I had um, Crocs winning this one previously, but now I've changed that tip. But Crocs have got some big recruits in Kane Stevens. Uh, Matt Shannon, uh, blokes with state league experience. Dallas Willsmore as well from Hawthorne. So both sides have a lot of players coming in with that VFL experience, Raf. Yeah, mate. It's uh, going to be interesting. Very interesting game. Uh, the next... Oh, oh yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm going Tars for that one as well. Maybe about 20 points. Um, we've got Joy... We've got uh, Clarkie here. Clarkie Joey. there, right? Yeah, Joey Clark. Thanks yeah. for joining us. Uh, he's... Uh, Paul, as you don't know, Joey Clark, he's one of the, the, the most experienced commentators down in the CAFL. So we, we got Joey in to talk a bit about the Alice Springs football season that just wrapped up last month. And Joey, how are you, mate? Thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning and good morning, uh, Robbie, and good morning to all the listeners out there. Thanks, mate. Um, just to, off the top of my head, how did you see the um, capital season this year, mate? Was it a, a, a strong, successful year? And um, was it an even competition um, for those who probably didn't catch any games? Oh, yeah, for sure, Raph. It was, you know, it's the 75th year for, for the league. So, you know, obviously those, it's a milestone. And um, it was a pretty even competition, I thought, right through. I mean, the top four, anyone could have won it. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was a very even competition right throughout uh, both country leagues and the town leagues. So it was good to have a successful year, like I said, for a milestone 75th. So, yeah, it was great. Great to be part of. Yeah, awesome. And, and Joey, for the listeners out there, and um, what, what is your role in, in with the CAFL? Are you uh, involved with the team itself or you just mainly do the commentating for both the both leagues or you, you've got a... Um, you know, you know, on the board somewhere, or what's what's your role, mate? Oh, mate, I just a passionate lover of the great game of Aussie rules. You know, I uh, yeah commentate uh, used to for the uh, Karma Radio, and then yeah now do the ICTV. But uh, I've lost him again. Yeah, bit bit of a bit a uh, alliance with the um, Pioneer Footy Club. But uh, yeah, no, I think uh, yeah I don't have any formal role as such. But yeah, just a passionate lover of the great game and. I've coached country teams and I've, you know, been involved in the town league since and we we aged nine year old, I suppose, running around Traeger Park. So yeah, I just love the great game and yeah, it's uh, good to be part of and yeah, the commentary stuff. I just, just sort of fell over that, but uh, yeah, no, I enjoy enjoy it. Yeah, Joe, how was it with Pioneers winning the uh, flag last year? It's been a few years since they won one, I believe. Um, how was that with Pioneers winning? Is it sort of like a bit of a um, celebration through the town? Oh, for sure, you know. Like I said, I mean, yeah, Pioneers, they, they were fourth on the ladder going into the final series and then uh, they knocked off uh, Rovers in the first week and then Federal. but uh, in, And then South eventually. They won by 5.7166 in the grand final. But... Uh, for Souths, you know, you can't take anything away from them. They were they were the minor premiers. They came from the wooden spoon the year before. And, um, yeah, in that last quarter, South just couldn't buy a goal. They kicked two goals, seven to Pioneers, one point. But, uh, you know, to Pioneers' credit, they held on. And, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was good for all Pioneers, young and old, to, you know, see that 12-year drought, I suppose. That's just unheard of. It's the longest-living drought, I suppose, that, Pioneer, like the uh, St. Mary of the, the top end, you know, they just dominate the competition over the, 
the period. So, yeah, I think it was a re- really successful year for Willie Foster and big congratulations to Willie and the team. Yeah, it was, it was a good game. And, you know, Sean Foster bobbed up and kicked five and won the Everingham medal. He's an absolute talent. Yep. So, yeah, no, yeah, it was uh, good to be watched. Yeah, Joe, is there anyone coming up to Darwin from the Alice League this year um, to the NTFL? And is there anyone that we can keep an eye out for that is coming up? Oh, I reckon. I mean, you'd, 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 I'd imagine the Stafford would be back for Palmerston, big Daniel Stafford. He's he yep. dominated the country comp this year. And, yeah, Sean Foster's played a couple of games up here. But uh, I believe the old veteran's coming back, Matty Campbell, coming back for Buffs because he's based back in Alice now. So... Yeah, I yep. think uh, there'll be a couple couple of them. But I think in terms of the younger ones, I think uh, they could get uh, young Khalil Ross up here and have a run. And, you know, there's a couple of really young good juniors through south. Good to see them to get out, get up here. But, yeah, I think that's Stafford's probably the obvious one that'll come up and be really competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and do you think, Joey, um, you know, some the, uh, the the Caffle Club should push more guys to get a run up here in the Darwin League to may, maybe help fast track some of their footy or, you know, get get them more experience and, and get them ready for their own seasons back home. Do you think it's a big advantage? I, I think so. I think so, Raph. I mean, you see some of those lads that do come up and, you know, they're sort of hard and ready to go when they hit the ground for next year. They come up here and, you know, different weather conditions and obviously the standard up here is a lot higher than Central Australia. So whatever they learn and whatever they get out of coming up here, I think it's just going to be better for the competition. And that also goes, you know, with the Catherine League and the Tenant League, you see, you know, a couple of sprinklers of those players coming in. And I think if we can have, you know, our elite competition up in the top end and have those pathways, I suppose, that's that's the key. I think in everyone that does come up here takes back wealth and experience and just make that competition back an hour stronger. Yeah, definitely. And, and the way I see it, I'd, I'd love to see more guys come from these smaller towns and, you know, and buy in and, and, and come and join in instead of, um, you know, getting guys from country Victoria or country, you know, Queensland or, or whatever. I'd rather see our own territory boys coming up and joining the Darwin teams and, and, and becoming more successful building from the territory, I I, I believe so. Um, but yeah, right, oh, yeah, totally agree with that. Yeah, and Joe, I was, yeah. I'm normally across all the junior talent in the territory, but there's one kid I want to talk to you about that I've seen name pop up, and that's Orlando Turner. How good is that kid? Is he? Do you think he's an early draft selection? Oh, I think I think so. He's a bit he's a bit small at the moment, like height wise. But uh, he's talent, uh, Rob. He's second to none, and you know he's he's in the uh, AFL at the moment, the AFL system, and uh, mm. the talent pathway. So, and and he's going to Ross Trevor in Adelaide. So, and yep. that that sort of helps them in the development too. I suppose we see a lot of the lads from the territory that go into state to schooling to get drafted from there as opposed to staying home. You know, so Ollie Turner. He'll be one for the future, no doubt about that. Balanced on both sides of the body, smart around the game. So, yeah, hopefully he can go on to bigger and better things. He's only 17, so, yeah, I'd like to see someone like that come up and have a kick for St. Mary's or someone like that. Yeah, I haven't heard a rumour. I did... I spoke to my mate at Buffalo's and he said they put a lot of work in to get, get Turner and 
He's going to Magpies, though, I think. But that was the latest I heard. And I haven't seen his name on any team sheets. But that AFL Academy that they, it was previously the AIS AFL Academy has a really high draft rate as well. You were involved in that, weren't you, Raf, as well? Yeah, definitely. Yep. And, and that was one of the best things about that. You, you had three or four camps together, but also mm. you got a, a week to train with your, your selected AFL club that you, you barracked for. So that mm. gives you a very good um, understanding of where you need to be at and where to get to. So... It's good to hear that there's young Territory boys in that system. Yeah, I think it's got a 90, 95% draft rate, that group. Is there any predictions for the up-and-coming uh, uh, up CAFU season there, Joe? Or is it too early? Is it too, oh, or is it too early? Too, way too early, mate, way too <laughs> early. But I think, you know, I think uh, no doubt the two grand finalists this year will be there again because South and Pioneers both played off in the under-18. So they've got some playing stocks that they've built, no doubt. But... Uh, I think uh, those clubs that played in the grand final, they'll, they'll be the ones to watch. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, just not trying to be biased, but Pioneers, you know, they had, uh, they, had, uh, they had a great side and they'll have some really good additions, you know. So I think uh, without being biased, I think Pioneers and Souths are the ones that, you know, that'll probably strengthen up from next year. No worries, Joey. Thanks for your chat this morning, mate. We'll uh, let you go there and um, we, we'll see you around town and all the best for the, the Pioneers, mate. I know you um, love your Pioneers, but hopefully see you down at the footy this weekend and probably the St Mary's game would be would be ideal or maybe the Buffaloes. I know you're a big Buffalo supporter as well. So but thanks for joining us this morning, Joey Clark. Hey, no, no worries, fellas. And uh, great, great uh, to listen to you every week. Keep up the great work. No worries. This is SEN Fridays at Top End, 1611 Rain and Horn, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End, 1611 Rain and Horn down. We will love your listing. So, Raf, let's just finish, I uh, think, talking about these games. So, Crocs, Tars, we've covered that one. We're both tipping Tars, but both sides loaded with Premier League experience, um, VFL experience, sorry. Um, so, that'll be a very, that'll be a cracker. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to commentate that, so uh, that'll be great. Tiwi Buffs, I think uh, Buffalo's are pretty confident. We want to see a more competitive Tiwi, don't we? Yeah, definitely, and um, I'm... I'm commentating that game with your old man so um, you know if the Tiwi boys uh, are having a, another quiet game and it's a, a another one way traffic game I think your old man is pretty good at keeping yeah. people entertained so oh, I'm looking forward to catching up with um, Damien Hale tomorrow your old man and commentating that game with uh, Buffs and Tiwi and hopefully like we mentioned if, if Tiwi up and about we get a bit of a shootout and um, you know because last week Tiwi kicked the first goal within 40 seconds against Saints and mm. I I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is good to see, and it's going to be yeah, it's going to be a big shootout today. And um, unfortunately, it wasn't. So hopefully, they bounce back this week, and, and it does become a bit more of a competitive game for the Tiwi boys, and to see them, you know, yeah, right. get get some more run into their legs. And I think just in case, Ralph, have the beers on ice ready to go because uh, you might need them at quarter time. Um, <laughs> Pints versus St Mary's. Your boys, St Mary's. Do you reckon is there any chance Pints could do an upset here? Yeah, mate, like we mentioned, like Pints, um, I think that's credit to the Pints um, guys in the previous years they've had in the Div 1, how consistent they've been. And, you know, I think they gave Palmerston a, a bit of a scare last week. And, um, you know, if the game was um, played out, it, it would have been interesting to see how that finished. Maybe Palmerston would have definitely still won with the experience and finished the game and running it out. But um, it's a hard one to sort of predict because St Mary's you know got a touch up by Waratahs around one and then to go out and beat Tiwi like they did they don't you don't really know where they sit and how they are 
Yeah. Um, so it's a hard one. So it's going to be an interesting one. I think it's going to be a close game right down to the wire. And maybe like last week, Saints might get them just without a bit more experience. And um, NTFL, um, you know, reigning premiers might get them over the line. Yeah, of, I think I've got Saints by five goals. But I wouldn't be surprised if Pints could pull off an upset. But... Stranger things have happened in football. Palmerston Tigers, um, this is a game... Palmerston were slow out of the blocks last week. They can't afford to do that this week against the Tigers with that midfield that they've got. Yeah, definitely, mate. And, um, and this is the, the sort of the games that Palmerston, you know, to show people that they've moved forward and they're ready to be, you know, in that premiership window or, um, you know... You know, put up there with your St. Mary's and your Waratahs and your um, Nycliffe Tigers. So, Palmerston, for me, um, this will be a, a statement game to show whether mm. they're ready to go and have a big, successful year. Um, if they come out slow um, and the Nycliffe get a jump on them, there's no way you're coming back and chasing the Tigers down um, yeah. like they did to Pint. So, in my eyes, looking at this one, I'm sort of leaning towards the Tigers just because of the way the Palmerston started last week. Yeah, I'm 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 leaning towards the Tigers, but I don't think it's I don't think it's make or break for the Magpies at all. Though, um, talking about when I spoke and interviewed for the Wanderers job, they spoke about the Premiership window they were in. What are your thoughts on that right now? Sitting with the Wanderers Footy Club, I've I had them finishing fifth. Now they're in danger of even making finals. Yeah, and and. You know, you get someone like Stephen Motloff fresh off an AFL list. Um, you think, you know, you would have started the season with two and two wins, zero losses, but it's the opposite. They're sitting zero and two. Um, so it's an interesting mm. situation for Wanderers um, that they're in. Whether they just missing a couple of quality players, you know, that um, can help out Stephen and those those likes who are winning the most of the footy. Like Stephen can't do any more. You know, he probably had thirty odd touches and kicked six goals, but you know, yeah, where's, um, where's the help coming from? Yeah, and I did look at their list and put a coach's hat on. They had 11 blokes over 30 in round one. Their back line was five blokes over 30, which was, you know, and Holtz, Fitz and Nicky enjoyed those matchups. And Stephen Motler built a lot of handball receives as well. So if someone, if you run a tag on them, it's interesting to see what will happen next from there. Um, coming up with SEN Fridays, we're going to also talk about uh, the AFL, um, the go-home factor, as well as the, the worries with GWS and Gold Coast losing players as well. You're at SEN Fridays at the top end, 16.11am. Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark and Raph Clark for Rain and Horn Darwin. Find a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End, 1611, Rain and Horn. We will love your listening. Robbie, just a quick one on Wanderers. If you had your coach's hat on, or you almost did have your coach's hat on at Wanderers at one stage there, but they changed their mind after you, I think, were successful getting the job. But, um, yeah, what what do Wanderers need going forward, mate? Um, yeah. You mentioned those, the age of those 30-year-olds. Yeah, they've got, they got an ageing list, and I'm not too sure if the kids are coming through knocking down the door. I've heard rumours that they're not, which might be, you know, a reason why the older blokes have to continue playing, which could be true. I think a Josh Cabillo-type player for Wanderers is quite needed, you know. Like, that midfield's very good with Motlop, O'Connell, McLean, but I don't think... Having McLean on the ball, I don't think they have that luxury with their back half to play on a small quick. I think McLean needs to go back and play on a quick. Um, and they do have a few backs down there. They've got the, the key backs, Raf. So what would you do in that situation with the four blokes that are pretty, like, can hold down a key position? 
Yeah, definitely. You, I think the thought of missing that real genuine centre forward. So I think we, you know Newman um, and even Mitch Taylor, you know, can give you that tall marking option and, and those strong leads. And a player like that, when they lead, I think they're going to drag one or two players to, you know, those sag off defenders um, to come across and help. And then you might get, you know, that, that bloke spitting out the back that's a bit loose. So yep. I think they definitely need to send one of those key defenders forward um, might help them and structure them up a bit better. Yeah, well, there is there have been a lot of talk about the Premiership window and them being a top three side, so I think that's why it's good to touch on them. They've got the bye this week. They're versus St Mary's next week, so that's for me, that's the match of the round, and let's see what Wanderers show, uh, no Raph. So, moving forward with the AFL, though, mate, is there an issue now with the AFL, with the Suns and uh, GWS just being development clubs? They're almost like a footy factory now for the, for the powerhouses. How are, you, how are you seeing that? Yeah, it's, it's unfortunately like, you know, you see the best players being able to walk out um, after their two or three years. And um, and, and the, the, the stronger clubs know it too. You know, you look at mm -hmm. Melbourne being able to pick up May and also Richmond. They've got Lynch and those types um, along the last few years. And, you know, when you, you look at the names like Tanner Bruin, Jacob Hopper, Tim Taranto, Jeremy Cameron, Zach Williams, Bobby Hill, Rory Lobb, Tom Lynch... Isaac Rankin, like, you know, they're, they're genuine superstars as a competition and, and to lose them after three or four years and developing them, you know, that, that would hurt any club. You know, imagine a Melbourne club going through that. They'd, they'd be up, uproar and they'd be whinging. If Collingwood had that issue, you know, or, you know, a Melbourne Demons or Richmond, they'd, they'd be complaining to the AFL. They'd have, you know, it, it stopped or something done about it. So there's... Yeah. I take my... You know, I feel sorry for the GWS and the Suns because, um, you know, it's just... I don't know. How do you see it, mate? I just think it's wrong. Yeah, I think they have got a lot of money tied up in trying to keep high players. I think Whitfield, Toby Green, um, Josh Kelly, they're all on a shitload, of, like a lot of money. So it's just really... <laughs> and that's, Isaac Rankin was offered a way better contract at the Crows, so you can't really blame him for leaving as well. There may need to be some sort of exemption, though, Raf, like to have these sort of players have more money so that they can yeah, stay outside of your salary cap outside that, of the salary yeah. cap where you can have a bit of a marquee value with your toby greens and those sort of guys that have stayed and i think that the only positive i like about it is with the gws having the the ties to the territory and the darwin mm. so you you know you're the likes of you know ben long wanting to go to the gws is is a good one in my eyes and you sort of are getting something back for some of the quality you're losing, but mm. uh, you know one player compared to ten leaving over the last two or three years is is a big, big loss. But um, yeah, I, I think there's got to be something definitely done, and maybe a, an extra salary cap or something outside of the salary cap to keep your know, extra five or six blokes that are looking at leaving. Yeah, and looking at a couple of the uncontracted players as well. There's a bit of movement for Jed Anderson. I'm hearing he could be talking to the Suns, so we could have more territory boys going to the Suns. Mate, that'd 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 be awesome um, to see more territory boys. And obviously, like you know, when they won those couple of games last year, I think they spoke to the the coach. Um, Stewie Jew, and he, he um, said, you know, they'd love more games than Darwin. Yeah, I think I think the Suns as a territory side is going to be really good. Um, we've got the Crocs versus and Tars this week, guys. Get down to that. Uh, yours truly will be commentating that. So if you get on the uh, NT News subscription and get onto that. Um, what's on for the weekend, Raf? Uh, we got our first hit out in Div 2, so looking forward to that. The coaching and having a run as well with the boys I've been out of convinced to come out of retirement, um, like the yeah. names I mentioned earlier. But... Also, just a quick one, Rob, I'd like to mention as well that Charlie Ma story we touched on last week. Good mm. to see the home re reception he got at the airport. I think the airport was full and, 
everyone cheered the house down when he walked in and, and you know, complete the six biggest marathons in the world is a, is a credit. And I've, I've got to keep mentioning it, mate, um, and I'll take my hat off to him. And he's such a role model to Indigenous indigenous um, community, the, the role model he is. And, yeah, to see those um, Snapchat yeah. and Instagram footages of him walking into a full airport to cheering cheering him on, that's a credit to the Alice Springs community and the guys who all got down there and welcomed the champion home. Yeah, I played footy with Charlie Maher as well in 2011 for Thunder, and, geez, he was just a nice, quiet sort of bloke, wasn't he? And not much of him. He could uh, ride some track work down at Flemington. He's a very small that's, bloke. That's right, that's but, right. But, um, you know, has a crack and played on a wing. could run all day, couldn't he? So, um, yep, so the games for this weekend, get around them, guys. Get down to your local footy and support the footy with some very good players. SEN Fridays at the top end, 16.11 a.m. Rain and Horn Darwin, find a place to write your next chapter. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.